here. I've caught my breath and I'm ready to chat to you guys about all things um, women, women empowerment, and some interesting stuff. So I thought it would be appropriate today on the Power Women Project Live to talk about growth. And um, this show is going to change just slightly. So as the host of this show, I've been going through some personal growth of my own. So it stands to reason that the show is going to grow, grow and evolve as I do. And I'm going to speak to you a little bit about what's actually happened, what's been happening. So I'm generally quite sure and confident in myself and my way of being. And I have been for the last few years. I went through a period of growth just before, well, basically throughout 2016, I was trying to figure out where, you know, who I was and where I fit in, in the world. So 2016 was a, a big period of growth for me. And there was a lot that happened in that time. And it's happening again. So what I would love uh, from you guys is that if you're watching, if you're listening, if you're joining us on the Power Woman Project, it's a Facebook page. If you're watching there, say hi, leave your comments. Um, I'd love to hear your thoughts and um, feelings about what we're going to speak about today. I think that the topics I've got lined up are actually um, really great for discussion. So join in and share. I would love that. Um, and now just a little bit about the period of growth that I've been going through. And I'd love for you guys to let me know if you've experienced something similar in your own lives. And let's see if, if there's anyone else going through something like that or has gone through something like that, that they can also just um, let us know how it worked for them. So essentially that, you know, as, as I said, I'm generally quite sure and confident in myself and my way of being and my thought processes. And every now and then something happens that has me questioning if I'm being authentic. And I think that that generally happens because of human nature. Um, there's always a need to fit in. And I find myself saying less and less in case I offended people by just being me, essentially. I'm not a, an offensive person. I don't go out of my way to offend or hurt people. So, um, but what I do find is that because I think very differently about a range of topics, um, that the moment I express those views, um, people will take either offense to that or they just take it very personally. And I mean, that is just, that's just me being me. And um, I found that I was being less and less authentic in case I lost followers or hurt my brands. And what's interesting, I've been doing a lot of reading about this. I bought a whole bunch of books again this week. I love um, books about particularly business people who have gone through similar periods of growth, um, you know, figuring out their authentic self. So people like Mel Robbins, even Elon Musk, um, Sheryl Sandberg, they're all big inspirations to me because they're very clear about just being exactly who you are. I'm not ladylike in the sense, you know, as, as the definition would have it. So I'm not the type of woman who generally tends to um, sit quietly and not have a voice. So if you know me personally, this is what you will know to be true about me. And these are just in general a bit of the topics that we're going to cover today. Um, and I think that the main topic today is about authenticity and how to actually 
merge your authentic self into your business and into your brands. And I think it's just something that it takes a lot of work. It doesn't come naturally to everyone because it's human nature to want to fit in. And it's human nature that you hide bits of yourself so that you don't lose people. But at the end of the day, it might actually just be what is necessary for you to be surrounded by the right people. So if you know me, you'll know the following to be true. I'm an atheist. Um, I do not believe in any sort of God or deity. I do not hold anything against people that do, but that is my truth. Um, I don't buy into woo. So when I say woo, um, it's generally something that is said in the anti-pseudoscience community. Um, it basically means, um, you know, thoughts and ideas that have got no evidence, things that have not been proven to be true and are kind of airy-fairy. So when we say woo, that's what it means. <laughs> um, I demand evidence for all claims that are made. So if there's no evidence, I don't buy in. If there is evidence, I will change my mind. I am a huge supporter, first and foremost, of everybody's right to choose in all areas. That means abortion, it means sexuality, um, and many other controversial topics. I am a defender of equality. And um, I think about these topics a lot, actually. And if I see a point of view on a subject, particularly online, and I don't know where I stand, what I, will, what I tend to do is I will go and um, look deeper into the topic and do a little bit of reading and research and see where I stand. And I don't like to get involved in discussions or debates on topics that I don't know anything about. Um, I don't want to discuss things that I don't know anything about. I think that's fair. Um, you shouldn't get involved in topics that you have no knowledge of um, because you're actually not, I mean, sure, listen, fabulous, because that's how we learn. But um, I think it's important that you are, if you are going to have a point of view or an opinion on something, that you have actually at least done a little bit of reading and have a little bit of understanding on these sorts of topics. And in knowing the, those three main things about me, I think it's important that you know the following as well. The last few weeks have actually taught me something quite important. If people can't accept you and love you for who you are, they are not your people. And that's really difficult to accept sometimes. Um, and I've got an amazing group of girlfriends who do get me and love me and even those that don't agree with me still support and love me regardless. And, um, you know, as I said before, it's, it's common to be less of yourself so that you don't lose people. It's human nature. Don't beat yourself up about that. But I think if you are not, you know, like I have, if keeping more and more of my real self hidden has made me extremely frustrated and I saw, I can't remember the exact quote, but someone commented on a Facebook post of mine speaking to this, that, you know, not being your true self, like, are you actually expressing peace and, and tranquility when people come into contact with you or are you filled with anger and frustration? And that's where I am or have been in the last few weeks. I'm so frustrated with the fact that I don't feel like I can be authentic and real around many of the people in my circle. And um, it's, it's really difficult. So I think if you've experienced something like that, and I'm sure that we all have at one point or another, I'd love for you to leave your comments and your thoughts on this. And um, let's hear about other people's experiences. I think that it's, it's really good for us 
to share those and know that many of us are actually dealing with the same things. It's hardly ever a unique situation that it's just you and that's dealing with this one particular problem. Um, and if you're not being true to yourself, uh, it's really difficult to be happy. And I can attest to that because I've been going through that just recently. So that being said, um, there's a little bit of what's been going on with me and why this topic has come about today. Um, I'm going to dive into a few topics today and I'm going to encourage you to get involved with these topics um, and really think about them. Like if you had an opinion on these topics before today, has has your have you changed your mind given what information you've received today? Or do you find that your point of view has remained pretty much the same and uh, remained to be valid? And tell me why. Um, and I just want to close off before we dive into these topics by saying that the ability to change your mind is actually a superpower. And that's not to say that you have to change your mind. It's just, it's important to know that if you are presented with information that is different from what you currently believe, to change your mind is, is a really powerful thing. Um, if, and if you're able to change your mind based on new evidence, then you absolutely should. So I'm going to be back with our first topic. And that topic is how to attract what you want in life. And I've got quite a bit of the information that I'm going to talk about from psychology today. And also based on my personal experience with attraction and manifestation, I think it's a very, very interesting topic because it's very much on the border of science and pseudoscience, which I think is very, very, very interesting. So I'm going to be back in just a moment. We're going to talk about how to attract what you want in life. Is it even possible? Is manifestation a thing or is it like a placebo effect kind of thing? And the reason that I want to chat about um, the topics that are listed on the Facebook page today is because I'm actually really interested in science. A lot of people don't know that about me. I'm very interested in it. I am always having a look, like whenever I come across something, you know, that's got like a wooish name or an airy fairy name, I really try and find out what is the, the scientific standpoint on that. Because for me, that's how I make decisions. So is there evidence to support the claim that these things work, yes or no? Um, is even science on the fence? Um, I think it's interesting. It's interesting things to discuss. So we're going to dive right into that in just a minute. I'm going to play what I think is a perfect anthem for today. And you can listen to it on hashtag radio.co.za. I find that Facebook has started to mute my show if I play music through Facebook Live because essentially I don't have license to do that. The station does, but I do not. So unfortunately, and this is not the station that has told me to do this. Um, this is Facebook saying, well, you're muted now because you don't have permission to play this song. So if you want to hear the music that I'm going to play, you may go and listen to it on hashtag radio.co.za and I'll chat to you guys just after the break. Hey guys, welcome back. So we are talking about some interesting stuff today. And um, I introduced the show by basically telling you what I've been going through in the last couple of weeks and how that has changed my viewpoints on authenticity and how often I should actually be my real self. And spoiler alert, the answer is always. So the next thing that I'm actually going to chat about is manifestation and whether or not it is actually backed by science or if it is just pseudoscience. So the first thing you need to know about me, I mentioned this earlier, 
is that if I hear anything that sounds like woo or it sounds wooish, I head to Google to find out what the deal is on the topic. Uh, and then I start looking into what science says about it. That is how I am wired and I need evidence. So I don't, I really don't believe everything that I hear. I don't like to do that. Um, even if it fits my worldview, which is very convenient, a very convenient thing to do. A lot of people do do that. And even I do that on occasion because none of us are perfect. Um, the thing is that when you head to Google to look for evidence or information on a topic, you have to get that information from the right website. So as with anything else on Google, you can find any article or piece of information that will support your point of view. So if you want to find out why, um, let's think of like a completely random topic, why fairies are real, um, you'll find something. And if you want to find an article on why fairies are not real, you will find something. There will always be something on Google that will support what you believe. So you've got to find your information at legitimate non-biased websites like Psychology Today um, or a university website where they share their research papers. And you have to really be careful uh, about where you find this information so that you can get an unbiased answer. If your answer is coming from a biased place, you're not actually going to get anywhere. You're not going to find the information that you actually need to make a decision. So this topic actually comes up a lot in my timeline, the idea of manifestation or um, what is the other, the law of attraction it's often called. So you'll see me clicking back and forth. I've got a couple of articles up here that I want to cite as we read. And it comes up a lot in my timeline because I am friends with a lot of entrepreneurs and a lot of people who are, you know, finding their own way in the world that aren't necessarily working for a company. A lot of them rely on this idea, myself included, that manifestation um, makes a difference to your goals and what you achieve day to day. Um, what I know from experience, and please note that experience is not scientific proof. Okay, so that's the first thing. Just because it's you've experienced it and it's worked for you does not mean that there is scientific evidence to back what you are saying. Um, what I know from experience is that when I've changed my mindset to be more positive, um, and I focus on being grateful, which is one of the big topics of manifestation and the law of attraction. When you work on appreciating what you have instead of what you don't have, um, what you want instead of the negatives, um, you know, when you focus on the, on convincing yourself that you can have a certain way of life, your life tends to work out that way. And I've experienced that when I work really hard on a positive mindset, when I work really hard on reminding myself that I'm very grateful to have the things that I do when I start feeling despondent about my progress and I go back and I take note of what I have accomplished and how far I've actually come in short periods of time, um, your mindset changes and it's really powerful. So if you think about it this way, have you ever been in a state of mind where you're sure something disappointing is going to happen? So you are Let's say you enter a competition or, I mean, that's extremely random and not actually a good example. Let's say that you, um, you're going to an event and you've convinced yourself that um, you're not going to have a good time and that you're going to meet people who are going to be nasty to you, for example. 
And when that something disappointing happens, whatever it is, it happens. And then you come back and say, I knew it. I knew that was going to happen. So that can be put down to the law of attraction. It would stand to reason then that the opposite action could work in your favor. So if you focused on the positives of going to that event, instead of saying, I'm going to this event where there's a whole lot of people I don't like, and um, I know that I'm just going to walk away from it in a bad mood and feeling bad about myself. And if instead you said, okay, well, I'm not really looking forward to this event. I have been dreading it. But I could meet someone amazing at this event. The food could be amazing. Um, you know, I, I could hear my favorite song tonight. That just greatly improves my mood. I don't really want to go to this event, but I get to wear like a beautiful dress and get all dressed up and, you know, just list the positives. Whatever the situation is, when it comes to business, for example, instead of saying, like, no one's going to buy into this idea. I don't think I'm going to be successful. I don't really deserve to be a business owner. Perhaps look at it in a different way and think of things like, well, actually, um, I've worked really hard for this and it's going to take a couple of years, but I know eventually that this hard work is going to pay off and I am going to be successful. This is going to be a good month because I'm going to work really hard. So those are kind of the experience and I suppose for all people that would sound pretty logical, right? But what does science say about it? So this is where things get a little bit fuzzy and I'm now reading a bit of information to find research papers on whether or not the law of attraction was a thing. And the, the, a lot of the websites that I did find all promoted the law of attraction because they were called the law of attraction.com, manifestation.com. So they're biased. This was the only non-biased kind of article that I could find. And how it starts is that kind of giving an explanation into what the law of attraction actually means. So. It starts by saying that there is an age-old belief among spiritualists that you draw into your life what you put out. And through deep meditation, these ancient seekers discovered how your external circumstances reflected your internal state. And um, things like, you know, there was a Law of Attraction book, Deepak Chopra asking it is given the power of intention and the secret that brought together many thought leaders in this world and spread the experience of different individuals supporting this principle. Now there is the kicker, is that it brought together the experience of different individuals. Um, in The Secret, we learned that this is based on scientific principles, quote unquote, I did not put them there, the article put them there, alluding to quantum physics supporting this intention, um, that you will attract to yourself whatever you put out. So. Is there a basis in the human brain to support the seemingly abstract idea? Now, if you're watching, I would love to find out from you what your experience has been. Have you, have you practiced the law of intention? Now, we're not talking about the law of attraction, rather. We are not talking, I don't want you, unless you've got scientific evidence for me and proper research, I would love for you to link it in the comments. If not, I would love to hear what your experience with it has been, um, just to open up the discussion. So what it actually says here is that this field is actually still developing. And a recent and more established set of findings goes on further to support the law of attraction. 
and early research using brain imaging has shown that fear activates an almond-shaped collection of nerve cells in the brain called the amygdala. Now, if you did biology in school or you happen to continue to be smart throughout your adulthood, you'll know where that is. Um, I don't. When you show people fearful faces, the amygdala activates as if those people were experiencing the fear themselves. And I'm reading directly from the Huffington Post article. So what is perhaps more intriguing is that there are ways to change the experiment so that people are entirely unaware that they see those fearful faces. However, when you look at their brains during this period, they are unaware that they are seeing faces, but the amygdala still activates. Even people whose brains have been damaged so that they are blind to what they um, see will have their amygdala light up when they're exposed to fearful faces. So this means that fear in others will register in our brains as fear. Another person's lit up amygdala will light up our own. We attract the fear to ourselves because we are connected to other people and their brains instantly. This is why anxious people make other people anxious and fearful people make other people afraid. Similar principles apply to happiness and expected reward. When our brains light up those senses that correspond with these emotional states in others. So that's really, really interesting. So a third line of evidence that supports the law of attraction relates to asking it is given and the power of intention, which um, a lot of people would also consider free. So this is really, really interesting, you guys. I'd love to know if you're watching. I see that there isn't really anyone watching on Facebook, but you can also always watch this back later and let me know your thoughts on this topic. Um, a third line of evidence that supports the law of attraction relates to asking it is given and the power of intention. The brain regions involved in intention are very connected to those regions involved in action. And as a result, firing up those brain regions involved in intention will start to fire up your action centers. Intention needs to be strong enough for action to occur. And when you place your attention on a certain feeling, like pain, for example, it can worsen that feeling. We've all experienced this. By, in, by inference, when we play our in, attention away from that pain, the pain is decreased. That means it's not so much what we are attracting um, or what we put out, but that we make it possible to feel and do things when we attend to them or intend to do them. So contagious actions, contagious feelings, intention, action, um, connections, and attention, action, connections, all support the law of attraction. Underlying all of these ideas is the notion of connection. So we are connected within and without. What we think and feel affects how we will act and how others will act as well. The depth of our feelings and actions is a critical variable in attracting what we want in our lives. And that's the end of the article. And I think that that is really, really, really interesting. I will link this article to the comment thread so you can actually go back and read it later. There we go, I've linked it for you now. So it's quite interesting. I, it seems that science is still on the fence about whether or not this is a thing. It opens up a deeper discussion about quantum mechanics, which is very, very interesting. I'm not gonna get into that today because what I'd actually like to do is bring in someone who can um, speak on a qualified and professional level to how quantum mechanics actually relates to the law of attraction and whether or not it is a thing. So for this one, um, I'm going to close by saying there's a lot of evidence and research is still needed. It stands to reason, though, that our thoughts can certainly influence your reality. I think that that's fair to say. Um, whether or not you can physically manifest things or if some of it remains pure incidents, all the results of hard work 
remains to be seen. Um, as with most things, I think the fact that this doesn't necessarily um, do any harm to anyone is obviously a moot point in this case. Manifest, you know, claiming to be able to manifest things in your life or believing in the power of attraction is not harmful to anyone. I think it is just a good thing to know that there isn't really any scientific basis in it. That doesn't mean that there never will be, but it's a really, really interesting topic. When I come back from the break, I want to chat to you guys about crystal healing, and that is a really, really interesting topic. So I'll be right back with you guys. Hey guys, welcome back. This is part three of the Power Woman, Power Woman Project Live. And as you all know, I do this every single Tuesday from 12 p.m. to 2 p.m. And the next topic, so earlier today we were talking about science and pseudoscience and what fits in where, and it's actually a topic that I'm quite interested in and passionate about. Not many people know that about me. And earlier we were chatting about manifestation. Hello, Sonia. Earlier we were chatting about manifestation and whether or not it is backed by science or if it is just pseudoscience. Um, it seems that the result of that discussion is that it's actually um, on the face. So science hasn't actually, there isn't enough research or evidence um, to support the idea, but it hasn't been ruled out of pseudoscience altogether. So in closing, I just said that if it works for you, um, if it's something that's makes a difference to your day, then I don't see any reason. I've used it myself, so I don't see any reason why, um, if it's working for you, you shouldn't um, use it to your advantage. Um, what I'm going to chat about next is crystal healing. And this also comes up quite a lot in my timeline for some reason. I don't know why, because I'm not a crystal healing person. This is very interesting. And we were talking about legitimate resources where you can actually find information. So if you are looking for evidence and research to back a claim or back a point of view, it's important that you use the right websites because, as you know, you can find anything on Google to support your, um, your worldview, your point of view. Um, I use the, an example of, I mean, we can use it for crystal healing. You can find a thousand articles that will tell you that crystal healing is a thing and it works, and you will find just as many articles telling you that it's nonsense. So... It's important that you find a non-biased source of information. Psychology Today or Life Science is one of my favorites. It's a great place for factual research information that has been cited. Um, this article was actually one of the first ones that popped up when I Googled, does crystal healing work? Um, unfortunately, science says no. But let's get into it. Let's have the discussion. If this is something you incorporate in your day-to-day, -day, um, let me know. Um, why or why not? Um, it's also interesting to note, and I mentioned this as well because it's an important part of validating information and evidence, experience, and um, you know what you've gone through on a personal level is not scientific information. It's not evidence, and it's not backed by anything. It's simply your experience. But let's pop in here to the life science. Um, article and let's chat a bit about crystal healing. So the explanation of what it is, it's an alternative medical technique, that's red flag number one for me, um, in which crystals and other stones are used to cure ailments and protect against disease. So proponents of this technique believe that crystals act as conduits for healing, allowing positive healing energy to flow into the body as negative disease causing energy flows out. Despite the fact that crystal healing has seen an upsurge in popularity in recent years, this alternative treatment is not popular with medical doctors and scientists 
many of whom refer to crystal healing as pseudoscience. Scientifically speaking, there is no evidence that it can be used to cure disease because disease has never been found to be the result of so-called energy flow in the body. Furthermore, no scientific studies have shown that crystals and gems can be differentiated by chemical composition or color to treat a particular ailment. Nevertheless, healing crystals remain popular at health spas and at new age health clinics, sometimes incorporated into related practices of massage and Reiki. The use of crystals in environments may help induce relaxation, although this effect is not backed by scientific evidence either. So that's very interesting. Um, personally, I don't, um, I don't really feel anything um, towards crystals or crystal healing other than they're very beautiful. Um, but I am not a believer in the um, power to do much of anything except look pretty. But I would really love to hear um, some experiences. So if you have been involved, if, if it's something that you use in your day-to-day -day and it does make some sort of difference in your life, I'd really love to hear your, your perspective and your experience. I think it's really, really interesting um, to see what other people are experiencing when it comes to this. So let's chat about how crystal is, uh, crystal healing is supposed to work. So um, many sites promoting crystal healing allege that the history of this practice is ancient, dating back at least 6,000 years. I just want to repeat that this information is off LiveScience.com. I will again share the link with you so you can go back and read it yourself should you wish to. Um, the philosophy of modern crystal healing is actually based on traditional concepts borrowed from Asian culture, most notably the Chinese concept of life energy, which is qi, which I'm sure many of us have heard of, many of us have heard of rather, and the Hindu or Buddhist concept of chakras, which are vortices in this life energy said to connect the physical and supernatural elements of the body. Um, in crystal healing, stones are assigned various properties through healers have different ideas Though healers have different ideas about which stones possess which properties. So I think the fact that the healers themselves can't agree on which stones do what is another green flag that they're probably not super trustworthy in healing much of anything. Um, so during a treatment session, generally what will happen is the healer will place various stones or crystals on your body aligned with specific chakra points, um, roughly on the re in the regions above the head and on the forehead, on the throat, the chest and the stomach. Um, and perhaps on your genital area. The stones used and their position may be chosen for the symptoms reported, um, and this is all influenced by the healer's knowledge of and belief in the chakra philosophy. So there's a lot of imbalances in how it works and what it's supposed to do and how they're supposed to use it. So that's quite interesting. Um, I just want to check back into Facebook and see if there's any comments and um, Okay, so not at the moment. So I will just continue with how it actually works. So this is what science says. There's no scientific studies um, on the efficacy of crystal healing, which is another problem because they should actually, unless I just haven't um, come across it just yet or it hadn't been updated at the writing of this article. There's no scientific studies on the efficacy of crystal healing. There is a study that suggests that crystal healing may induce a placebo effect in a patient who receives the type of treatment. So placebo effects are effects that accompany treatments that are not directly due to the treatment itself, acting on the disease of the patient. Um, and this is according to Christopher French, who is the head of animalistic psychology research at the University of London. So there we have our first um, trustworthy source of information right here. So 
In other words, a person may feel better after undergoing, undergoing crystal healing treatments, but there's no scientific proof that this is a result of anything to do with crystals, um, but it's most likely a placebo effect. Um, is crystal healing safe? Um, yeah, it is, <laughs> because it doesn't do much of anything according to science. Um, some medical doctors tolerate crystal healing to a limited degree, seeing it as a therapy that can induce relaxation, which ultimately is therapeutic for stress management. And those seeking a crystal healer, however, be careful not to eliminate actual medical treatments for a life-threatening disease in favor of, of crystal healing. Um, Baltic amber necklaces actually fall into the scope of crystal healing. So many parents use these amber necklaces for teething influence in toddlers, believing that the amber itself will help take the teething pain away. Um, according to healthychildren.com, there is no scientific evidence that the amber works to subside teething pain. Um, but there are two theories that explain how the amber supposedly works. One is that a pain-relieving substance, a succinic acid, is released from the amber by the heat of the baby's skin and, and and is absorbed through the skin into the bloodstream. And two, the amber stimulates the thyroid gland to increase drooling and reduce inflammation in the ears. So those are two theories. Although once again, it's important to note that there is no scientific evidence to either of these claims. Um, John Snyder, who is a pediatrician who wrote an article about amber necklaces on the website Science Based Medicine, which is one that you can keep in the back of your mind. It's a um, non-biased, very, very good website for scientific information. Um, he listed several claims that are made about amber necklaces and how they may lessen the pain. The only claims that Snyder said were the slightest bit plausible, though, were that it is known that Baltic amber does contain succinic acid and that some molecules are absorbed through the skin and it's naturally found in the human body. However, the amount found in this amber exists in such minuscule amounts that the body heat does not release it from the amber. So there's little to no evidence that it produces a therapeutic effect. So all in all, unfortunately, the response, the um, we were actually what we're actually getting at with regards to crystal healing is that it is not a thing. It is not backed by science. There is absolutely no evidence that it works. It is not harmful. However, so if you are if you are someone that benefits from crystal healing, more power to you. Um, you know, it's it's not dangerous to you unless, of course, you are foregoing actual treatments in order to um, in order to use crystal healing. It's not going to work for you uh, if you have a serious serious illness. Get to a doctor and get proper treatments. And unfortunately, as with crystal healing. Um, aromatherapy and those sorts of things fall pretty much right into the pseudoscience category. When we come back, however, um, if you are watching, I'd love to hear your thoughts on crystal healing. When we come back, we're going to close by speaking about the moon, the moon and uh, our moods. So um, I hear this one all the time. Um, so I headed to Google for more info, as I do. And when we come back right after this, I will let you know whether or not the moon does actually affect our moods. Hi guys, welcome back to the fourth and final installment of the Power Woman Project Live. And we're going to be chatting about the moon and our moods. And then I'm going to chat to you a little bit about scientific um, terms 
um, if, you know, if you haven't heard of them before, that you can just get an idea of what they mean. And this is actually really interesting because all of the things that I had planned to talk about today have been brought up in some way or another in discussions, conversations, or in my Facebook timeline, um, literally in the last two days. So it's very, very interesting that the topics that I had planned have been popping up in my newsfeed or in discussions. And I suppose we can put that down to Facebook or Google spying on us. <laughs> it's very interesting nonetheless. So I know that many people on my timeline will often say, you know, something weird is going on. Everyone's having a really tough time. People are struggling. They're so moody. Um, or, you know, I've just been so miserable and I don't know what's going on. And it's because Mercury's in retrograde or um, the moon is doing something or there's, you know, something happening. So I was like, okay, well, I've never really paid much attention to this, but is there any truth to it? So um, what I went and did is I went, I found an article on sciencedaily.com and tried to find out if there's any science behind these myths. So the moon is surrounded by an aura of mystery and um, people are constantly wondering about its possible influence over human behavior and it's been this way for centuries. It's not a new thing. People have always wondered about the moons, um, you know, how the moon affects human beings and their moods and their behaviors. So what is the science? So there was a study done to establish if lunar phases somehow do affect humans. And an international group of researchers studied children to see if their sleeping patterns changed or if there was any difference in their daily activities or the way they behaved. And the results were published in Frontiers in, in, Frontiers in Pediatrics, which is a very legitimate, non-biased source of information when it comes to um, research on children. And they considered that performing the research on children would be particularly more relevant because they are more amenable to behavior changes than adults and their sleep needs are greater than adults. So the study was completed on a total of 5,000 812 children from five continents. Um, the children came from a wide range of economic and social socio-cultural levels and variables such as age, sex, highest parental education, and day of me measurement, BMI score, nocturnal sleep duration, level of physical activity, and total sedentary time were all considered. So a really good um, study that was performed. And the data collection took place over a period of 28 months. Um, which is the equivalent of the same number of lunar cycles, which is helpful. And these were then subdivided into three lunar phases, the full moon, the half moon, and the new moon. And the findings obtained in the study revealed that in general, nocturnal sleep duration around the full moon compared to the new moon re reported an average, average decrease of five minutes, um, which is about 1%, and no other activity behaviors were substantially modified. So in closing, it's a very, very brief and very clear result in that study. Quote unquote, they say, our study provides compelling evidence that the moon does not seem to influence people's behavior. The only significant finding was the 1% sleep alteration in the full moon, and, it's large, and it is largely explained by our large sample size that maximizes statistical power. The clinical implication of sleeping five minutes less during the full moon does not represent a considerable threat to health. 
Overall, I think we should not be worried about the full moon. Our behaviors are largely influenced by many other factors like genes, education, income, and so psychosocial aspects rather than by gravitational forces. Um, and while the results of this study are considered to be conclusive, um, controversy over the moon could result in further research to, to determine if our biology is in some way synchronized with the lunar cycle, if the full moon has a larger influence in people suffering from mental disorders. Um, so for now, um, as the research stands, as science stands, whether the moon affects our moods, it does not. It is folklore. It is not a legitimate thing. Um, and this goes for uh, things like um, Mercury being in retrograde. It's not a real thing. It's folklore. There's absolutely no scientific evidence to back this claim. So that is a nice straightforward one. The study has been done. It is all there online. And what I want to chat about now is um, some science terms that you may have heard today. Um, if you've heard me speak about some of the stuff, I just want you to know I'm not educated in science. I actually hated science at school. I have become um, interested in it later in life. I still don't understand a lot of it, obviously. Um, but I'm still interested in science versus pseudoscience and um, you know, try to read up on it as much as I can. So you'll, you would have heard that I've mentioned the term pseudoscience quite a lot today. So this consists of statements, beliefs, practices that are claimed to be scientific and factual but are incompatible with the scientific method. So it's often categorized by contradictory, exaggerated or um, unfalsifiable claims, reliance on confirmation bias, rather than rigorous attempts at refutation, lack of openness to evaluation by other experts, you get the idea. So the term pseudoscience is considered, um, it's just, it suggests that something is being presented as science inaccurately or even deceptively. Um, homeopathy is one of the biggest, um, it's, it's a huge debate in the community of science and pseudoscience because it is very much considered to be Pseudoscience consists of a lot of false claims and relies heavily on confirmation bias. And those described as practicing or advocating pseudoscience um, often dispute the characterization, which makes a lot of sense. Um, I've mentioned the placebo effect. So sometimes a person that can, will have a response to a placebo, which can be positive or negative. Um, for instance, the person's symptoms may improve and they may have what to be what appears to be side effects from the treatments. Um, it's known as the placebo effect. So essentially, they do this in a lot of medical studies where they will give one group um, the active medication, and they will give another group basically a sugar pill. They will. It has nothing in it. There's there's nothing in that medication. It's completely null and void. They're, they're essentially just drinking the pill, um, and they don't know. If they are, um, if they're drinking the the real pill, or if they're drinking a placebo, and this helps scientists and doctors to know for sure whether or not the person is experiencing legitimate effects of the medication. Obviously, if you say to someone that you have got a placebo, if you've got a placebo, the chances that they're not going to experience anything from that means that the the research and the evidence is going to be falsified. So it's very interesting. Um, scientific citation is another 
term that is quite often used. So if you ever enter into debates about science and pseudoscience, you might find that people will comment, um, please provide us with a citation. A scientific citation is providing detailed reference in a scientific publication, typically a paper or a book, to previous published communications which have a bearing on the subject. So um, what I've tried to do today is actually give you citations to the information that I've been giving you. So while I've been talking about the moon and crystal healing, um, I don't have research papers, but my citation is those links. Um, I will actually go and look for scientific publications that I can actually give you a legitimate scientific citation as per the, um, the description of what it should be. There is another very, very interesting scientific term, and it's called the sunk cost fallacy. And it is the reason that people who have already wasted money on tickets to a terrible film will also waste their evening watching it. It's the urge to justify previous decisions using the next one. And it means that if people have put their weight behind a belief, they are invested in it and are likely to fight for it. Um, they will chop their way through food, um, terrible food, or get married when the relationship is already soured. It's just a, a way of justifying your decision. Um, along with our love of being right, we are hooked on patterns and making sense of the world by seeking them out. And this leads us to confirmation and selection bias. And this is one of my favorite um, descriptions because it happens more often than you think. And once you know what confirmation bias is, you will see it everywhere um, because it's confirmation bias. <laughs> We look for evidence to support a theory and ignore evidence to the contrary. Given the several million individually observable things that happen to you every day, it's easy to pick one to prove an idea you've already become attached to, whether superstition or stereotype. And confirmation bias is actually something that could be very much related to the manifestation thing. So, you know, you could be very much into manifestation and one thing will happen and you will use confirmation bias to claim that it is true. Um, and every day, moving on to the next thing, everyday life brings out a lot of data and sometimes your subconscious will summarize it um, badly and you'll fall victim to the clustering illusion. The clustering illusion is any random set of, of data that looks like it has clusters of points in it. If it didn't have clusters, it wouldn't be a random scatter. So um, our addiction to order makes those clusters very seductive. And it's easy to forget that two things that happened at the same time don't have to be related. So quite similar to confirmation bias, in fact. And the Dunning-Kruger effect is the last scientific term that I want to explain to you. Um, it was briefly summarized by Charles Darwin as ignorance begets confidence. The less you know, the more likely you are to perceive yourself as an expert. Conversely, the more you know, the more likely you are to doubt your own competence. This means that some people have illusionary superiority and some experts can't explain how they do things because they assume what they do is easy or obvious to all. And that's the Dunning-Kruger effect. It's very interesting. I will post all of these descriptions on um, in the comments here just after the show. And you can let me know if you have experienced or um, heard about any of these phrases or any of these terms or phrases and um, how you experience science and studio, studio science in your own life. I would love to hear a little bit more about that. 
Um, I would really like for you guys to, if you watch the show after, please leave your comments about all three of the topics that we've discussed today, um, the crystal healing, manifestation, and the moon and our moods. I would love to hear your feedback on that, and I will feed that back to you at the next show and chatting to you about that. I want to just go back again to being authentic. So the reason that I chose to speak about these topics today is because and I was actually extremely anxious about today's show because I've been dealing with a few uh, hiccups in my personal life and my mental state. Um, I have found that my depression has crept back a little bit because there have been a couple of instances, and some of them are random, I can't even name all of them, that have just contributed to me feeling a little bit like the, the beliefs and my points of view and just in general, the way that I am, the way that I show up in the world is not accepted or liked by many. And that sometimes is a bit of a pill to swallow because it is human nature. We all want to be liked. And um, it was interesting to me is that in being quite a strong person, I think it is sometimes assumed that because you are strong and quite headstrong and, and steadfast in your opinions, that you don't necessarily have feelings, which is not true. Um, even the most hardcore, strong people in this world still have feelings. And it's not nice to be bullied and to receive nasty messages in your inbox and to have people message you and tell you that they are going to remove you from their lives because they don't like what you stand for. And um, it was difficult for me because you don't actually get a chance to defend yourself. And then you get angry because you think, why should I have to defend myself? And that is the burden of trying to be authentic and to try and show up in as real a way as you possibly can because we're not all the same. And some of us don't want to show up the way the rest of the world shows up. And that opens you up to criticism, which is fine. And I think one, one of the things I like about myself the most is that I really enjoy debates with people and I really don't care if people don't agree with me. It doesn't bother me because I am, you know, I'm confident in, in myself and who I am. So I don't mind when people disagree with me as long as they do it in a respectful way. So when it starts amounting to bullying, I no longer appreciate the disagreements. I think as adults, we should be able to discuss these things and sometimes agree to disagree because we're grown-ups. And I think that's very difficult for some people to acknowledge. And when they realize that they don't agree with your point of view, um, some people just plain and simply get defensive and they get nasty as a way to um, sort of force their, their perspective on you, which is not helpful and it doesn't... It doesn't really get you anywhere. It doesn't get anyone anywhere because then you lose that, that great debate, that great conversation that you could have had and the opportunity to actually understand each other. And that, in my opinion, is how great friendships are made. I've got, um, and I mention them all the time because they really are special. I've got a lot of special humans in my, in my life. And for the most part, a lot of us don't agree on, on bigger issues, but we are incredibly supportive of each other and we do love each other just the way we are and that's where great friendships are built it's not built on 
and blowing smoke and it's not built on pretending to like each other it's built on liking and loving each other for who they really 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 are and that is what's hit me personally the most in the last couple of weeks it hit me quite hard that you you show up as your authentic self and you do get bullied for it but thanks thanks to some of the women that I have in my life I've realized that um, even though I'm feeling sensitive and taking that very personally at the moment it's not a reflection on me but a reflection on others and it just comes full circle into why Power Woman Project is so important to me because women really do need to um, to stop doing that to each other. Hello, Yvette and Sonia. I don't know who else is online watching. I'm about to close the show, babe. <laughs> so you missed out on all of my crystal healing and my, my moon talks and all of that. But you can watch it back afterwards. I'm just closing the show, if you've just joined us, talking about growth and how this show is going to change and evolve with me slightly. Sorry for those watching on the screen. I've got a little hair on the tip of my nose that's bothering me, so I'm trying to catch it and flick it away. Um, so just closing off the show, just talking about what has happened and resulted in me letting the show evolve and letting me as a presenter just actually present the show more authentically because what I found is that because I was trying not to say certain things that the show felt a bit forced and it felt quite fake and I don't want to, I would rather not present a show that is not true to um, myself and what the Power Woman Project stands for. So it's about kindness and it's about loving and supporting each other as women and just basically as human beings. Um, there have been a couple of changes just in general. Um, on the 5th of October, we've got our Business Boost and Marketing Workshop that I'm doing in association with Mommy Mall. And I got a great gift that I'm going to be giving away. So one lucky attendee to that workshop on the 5th of October in Cape Town. It's happening at the Radisson Blue. will win a copy of Lean In by Sheryl Sandberg, which is one of my favorite, favorite books. So if you're going to be at that workshop, um, you could win a copy of that book. And I promise you, you will keep it on your bedside table like I do and refer back to it pretty often. The Power Woman Project Forum that is happening in Joburg, I have adjusted the dates um, because there are two or three other conferences happening in Joburg on the 29th of September, and I really don't want to compete or clash with that many women's events. You know, one is fine, but three is a little bit heavy. So we're moving the Joburg conference to the 20th of October. I've let my speakers know, most of them are still on board. If there's any changes to the speakers list, I will let you know. And it also gives me a little bit more time to um, grab some extra sponsors and put some cool stuff in your goodie bags because even though we talk about real stuff, um, which is what I love talking about, um, we won't be talking about makeup and clothes, sorry. Um, we're talking about career and getting women into tech and um, actually inspiring each other in a more real and a more significant way. And... Um, so I would love to get some cool prizes and gifts just to add to that event. Taxify is involved again. Thank you so much to Taxify for doing that. So um, while there will likely be an alcoholic beverage for you to enjoy during the events, um, Taxify will be providing um, discount codes so that you can get home safely. You can use that for your, for your trip to 
and, um, to or from the venue, which is, you know, that's how we stay responsible. Don't get caught, drink, uh, you know, drinking and driving. It's, it's not worth it to you guys, but do come and enjoy the conference with us and then get home safely. Hans has also joined us as a sponsor, so you will be getting a lovely gift. And when I say lovely, I mean it's like it's a really nice gift in your goodie bags um, from Pons. So thank you very much to them. And as always, Tosca, who continues to support us, there will be a tiny bottle of Moroccan oil um, in your goodie bags as well that you can take home and use. And unfortunately, I'm really sorry to tell you guys this, but once you've used that little sample of Moroccan oil, you're going to want to spend the, I think it's 180 Rand on a full bottle. So sorry about that, but your hair will appreciate it. And that's the end of the Power Woman Project Live for this Tuesday. It's cold in Cape Town. I was hoping the sun would start shining through the windows, but it has not. Um, I remain jealous of Johannesburg, but we did have a good spring spring weekend, the side of the world. But I'll see you guys next week and hopefully um, the weather will continue to improve and our dams will continue to fill up. And um, I will let you guys know we'll have a special guest in studio next week. And so I'll chat to you guys then. Bye. Thanks for joining us.